What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Sam's Report. It is almost the holidays. Uh, well, depending on your religion, it might already be the holidays. I should be sensitive to those, to that crowd. Uh, but Christmas is on Monday. We have the New Year's following following that. And uh, yeah, so typically on this <laughs> on this podcast, I would do like uh, what I use because people always ask. And I like to do that at the end of the year to kind of look back and say, okay, this is what I used during uh, 2017. But that'll probably be pushed off to next week because there's actually a lot that came out this week. A lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened. And if you've been following along, this is actually the first live show in probably three weeks. Maybe four weeks. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I was in Hawaii and I did a show there, but it wasn't live. And then last week I was in Florida uh, doing a bunch of planning meetings for 2018. And so it, I'm happy to be home. I'm happy not to be on an airplane. I don't mind traveling, but I got hit kind of hard with like three trips really close back to back to back. And that is not fun. And then I've got another one coming up here going to CES, which will take me to the always lovely, always fantastic, and always the worst place in the earth, uh, Las Vegas. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Vegas. Um, nothing against the city itself. Uh, it's just the conferences out there are always just a cluster. The, there's 125,000-ish people all trying to do the same stuff. And it's just a nightmare. And not to mention, it's just like a health hazard at that point. You put that many people from that many different regions of the world and diseases just overcome everybody. And it's always called the CES flu because most people get sick after they come back. So I'm not really looking forward to that, but whatever. Uh, other things that have happened since, I don't know when, whatever. Uh, the Threadripper machine that I did the last live stream from, I had to send back. This this didn't work out so well. Uh, it was nothing against AMD or the Threadripper machine. Um, so what they do is a lot like a lot of machines that I get, they're loaners, right? We don't get to keep the stuff that they send, and that's fine. You know, no expectation of that, and that'd be kind of odd in some instances. So whatever, they sent me this machine, and then if you remember, it broke, and so then it was basically out of uh, commission for about ten days as it got sent back, got sent forth, and then it was Thanksgiving, and then I went to Maui for a week and then I went to Florida for basically another week and then I got back and they're like hey we need that thing back because it's you know kind of your time window was up I was like guys I barely had time and they're like well end of the year stuff we kind of need it back so <laughs> I sent it back and not really going to get to a full review of that machine yet uh I'll figure something out and hopefully be able to get another Threadripper machine here um in 2018 and kind of get to play with that especially I think they're gonna have some new chips potentially being announced here in a little bit but we will see so uh, I'm back on the classic Intel, although this thing, I shouldn't rag on this machine, it has been incredibly stable, probably the most stable thing in my life at this point, um, just holidays just jumbling around and just running around like crazy, and so this machine has been rock solid, the only problem I have now is that my power supply is making a little, little squeak every once in a while from the fan, and it's driving me bonkers, and so what I'm tempted to do is rip that power supply out, I actually kind of want to change the case, and my never-ending ability to tinker with things and screw up perfectly good working products is in full force. So, um, <laughs> my gut tells me I should not do that, my brain tells me I should not do that, but I'll probably end up doing it maybe uh, next year if the squeaking gets worse, but uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of things going on right now, if you want a Surface Pro with LTE, good luck, but if you're a commercial customer, um, some stores apparently have them in stock, so you can, might be able to just walk in and buy one. They're still not really selling them to consumers. I'm not, 
I don't quite know why. This seems like if you if you know if you want to give Microsoft money, they should let you. But I understand that the LTE is a bigger draw for the corporate clients of the world um, because you got a, a user out in the field and they need connectivity and they don't want to tether off their own personal connection. So you give them a device that can connect to uh, Verizon or whatever, uh, choose your own network type thing. And so I understand that aspect of it. And apparently you can go get that at a store at some. I would call ahead before you just walk in there and try to buy one. Uh, Specifically, because I'm not exactly sure what all you would need to buy one on a corporate account, but I'm sure that they are relatively strict. Yeah. Uh, gosh. So, uh, anyways, uh, big week, actually. Big, big week. So, Microsoft clearly is not doing a traditional, if you will, a traditional announcement of what is coming in the next update to Windows 10. Typically, they would bundle it with um, like a, a a keynote of some sort, like we kind of thought they were going to do it with the Surface Book 2 when they announced that when we went up or when I went up to New York and they had kind of had that private event. We thought they were going to talk about it then, but they didn't. And so Microsoft this week, they published a massive blog post, although it's massive, but not not really. Um, not yeah, you'll see why. So they, they basically announced what's coming in Redstone 4, which is the next update to Windows 10, which is going to arrive sometime, I would say roughly in March. Um, would be my guess. I mean, we they kind of tell us these things, so that's when it's going to happen, probably at the end of March. Uh, but let's just kind of wheel things back here a second. If things are going to happen in March, December's done. I mean, nobody's going to be working and building stuff for Windows 10 next week. And then you have early January, which has the New Year's, which means there's probably another week of downtime. Microsoft typically leaves at least four, if not five, roughly six or seven weeks of testing and validation and getting things locked down, which really kind of doesn't give them too much time. Doesn't give them too much time. So what that means is they got to kind of start wrapping this stuff up. And so this week they put out a massive blog post in a new build of Windows 10. If you have not gone and downloaded, highly recommend it. That kind of has everything that's going to be Redstone 4, including the big items here are Timeline, which isn't really new. And then they announced sets and sets is apparently starting to make its way. It's showing up for some people. Uh, you can go check it out. The best way to kind of figure that out is to open up like the photos app or any other built in Microsoft app. That's where they're going to show up. Um, if you know the right tricks and maneuvers, you can find the right people. You can actually enable it yourself. It's whatever. Um, the bigger thing here about sets is that it's using, it's bringing edge into the forefront of what Microsoft is doing. I know that people are going to love this feature, and I'm not trying to hate on it, but clearly they're not going to allow Chrome to replace Edge in that sets functionality. And this is going to be another way that Microsoft's going to drive, or another word you might use is force, user adoption of Edge is because when you go use sets and you open up a new tab and it's a browser window, that's going to be Edge. It's not going to be Chrome, and this is how they're going to help grow market share of Edge. You know, that's fine. That's that's their prerogative. It's their OS. They no longer really have a monopoly on this stuff. And that's what they're going to do to fight back against Chrome and Firefox. And this is how Microsoft is going to keep Edge relevant. And though they are not going to dump it, somebody said Microsoft should just kill Edge. There's no reason to use it or to develop it. Fully disagree. Uh, Microsoft is going to just start baking this stuff deep into the OS. And here's the next thing. I bet this kind of functionality would happen a lot earlier if it wasn't for a little thing called the European Union. But here we are. And um, we got lots of goodness. But you know what? I'm happy for it because the more Edge is used, the more Chrome has to innovate and the more Firefox has to innovate. It's a good thing for the end user that there are three major browsers because they're all fighting for your market share and mind share and uh, the end user wins. But anyway, so you can go check that out. Timeline sets. The one thing that has not been announced, and this is making me really nervous, Cloud Clipboard 
The one thing I've wanted, and if you're not, if Cloud Clipboard doesn't sound familiar, what it allows you to do is that if you copy something on, let's say, Windows 10, you can then pull up what, I believe they're going to integrate it through SwiftKey. You can then paste it in SwiftKey. It's basically a cloud-connected clipboard. You can copy things between devices very seamless, seamlessly, very quickly. I don't know why this is continuously be pushed off. They've had this type of functionality um, for a while that they never really shipped. I think it started as one clip like five or four or five years ago, and then we're still not here, and it's Microsoft. It still is not in the build notes, and it makes me very nervous because that's like... How many times are you sitting there with your phone and you're looking at something on your PC and you're like, ah, I want to get it on my phone. So you just right mouse click and imagine you can just right mouse click copy on your PC and then two seconds later it's on your phone. You don't have to email yourself. You don't have to send yourself a message. This is like crazy good functionality uh, and I really, really want it. And Microsoft is continuously pushing it back. And so I'm not saying it's not coming yet. Because there's still a couple weeks where they could integrate small little features such as that. But as of right now, it's not showing up, which is making me making me nervous. It really is. Little drink here. Somewhat dehydrated this morning. No idea why. No idea why. But uh, yeah. The other thing you need to know, and this is kind of more on the enterprise side of life, is that Windows Defender Application Guard is now coming to Windows 10 Pro for people who are running uh, Windows 10 Pro in small and medium-sized businesses. This is actually a pretty big deal. It's a great little security feature and helps keep the malicious stuff away as long as you're using Microsoft's browser. Again, you know, they're, they're putting that uh, caveat on it, but uh, it's actually a great little tool for helping keeping your network clean and functional and uh, malware-free. So there you go. All right, uh, other big things that happened this week, and this is... This is biting Apple in the butt really, really bad. So there's this whole uh, iOS battery life throttling of a CPU inside of these phones. And so there's always been the conspiracy theory that, hey, when a new version uh, or a new iPhone comes out, the old one gets slower. And, you know, I've, I've kind of believed that. And I think anybody who's ever used an iPhone says, yeah, that's kind of real. And so now it actually is absolutely real. Apple... So, all right, I'm going to put a pause here. So Apple said that this is true. Now, there are some very oddly uh, phrased journalists out there or writers or bloggers out there saying Apple announced this a year ago at a private event where they invited a select handful of bloggers that I think uh, Apple invited only because they are spin masters and uh, they knew that they could influence, influence them to get them to write a more positive slant on this post. Supposedly last year with the iPhone 6S, maybe something like that. And anybody that, the bigger people who kind of write about this stuff are like, no, we, we never got invited to that. And so you can go, you know, make your own conclusions about that small group of people who are cheerleading this stuff versus the people who are like, what the shit is this? And so here's the deal. If you have an older phone, it's, it, it, it's, <laughs> your battery life degrades. This is physics. It doesn't matter. A lithium ion battery will never be as good as the very first day it was used. That That's just how it is, right? You use it, it uses a very small bound of capacity every single time and battery life degrades. And after a while, your battery life gets less. And so what the argument here is that as the battery life decreases, the, the max voltage it can put out during peak performance also goes down. And so what Apple said they are doing is that they are slowing down the clock speed of the CPU to better align to the output of the battery so that it kind of remains stable and gives the user better battery life, but then at the at the side effect being that your phone actually physically feels slower. 
And so, you know, that theory, I, I, I somewhat buy into that. That's fine. You know, that's not the end of the world. What's the end of the, the big deal here is that Apple's just kind of not been telling anybody that they've been doing this. Worse, they don't give you an opt out. That's, that's kind of the big thing. It's like, you know what, if I better have better performance and worse battery life, I think I should be the one to, to choose that. Now, granted, Apple can pick whatever they want as default because they're, their user base is generally a more simplistic user and they just kind of want things to work. And that's probably why Apple made this decision. But the fact that they weren't transparent about that, they are intentionally slowing down your device. The older it gets is a big deal in my opinion, because this is happening on phones. I think we, it's probably safe to say, assume at this point, it's probably happening on iPads. Uh, the question is, is it happening on their laptops? Now, obviously it's not happening on their Macs because they're not, they're, they're not batteries, but it's more of a transparency thing at this point in my mind is that Apple should have been clear and says, hey, we do this to give you a better, longer experience, but this is the trade-off. And the fact that we can't undo that is a big, big issue in my mind. Uh, worse is the fact that you can't easily just replace the battery. You can no longer just like pop the back off and just slap a new battery in there. So it's really frustrating that they, they were just kind of keeping this out of the limelight and then now it's kind of come crashing down on them saying <laughs> oh uh yeah people are actually pretty pissed because they'd rather have better performance because batteries i don't know you know it, it's the, the other question too becomes is at what point does the battery throttle or the cpu throttling turn on like is 10 percent loss of battery life the reason why they do it is that 50 percent? is it we don't really know it's too arbitrary and you losing control of the device that you paid for especially if it's an iphone x imagine when they're going to start throttling a thousand dollar phone um and you have no control over this and so apple is kind of on the wrong side of the pr uh, you know, which happens with them. This isn't the worst thing that's ever happened in their history, but it's just kind of a big slap in the face to the users who have for years been saying, hey, my phone is slowing down. And everyone's like, no, it's just a conspiracy theory. But in fact, it was actually true. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, speaking of other things Apple is doing, which I do think this is a much bigger deal, is Apple supposedly in 2018 is really going to blend the lines between iOS app and Mac apps. And they're going to start bringing the Mac or iOS apps to the Mac, which I actually think is a very big deal because iOS apps are typically pretty high quality. And now that they have really high res screens, they're going to look good on a Mac. And so if you can imagine, if you have a Mac, you can just go to the app store. You can download a mobile app and it's going to run on the desktop. Um, you're probably saying, gosh, Brad, I've heard this before. Yeah, Microsoft is trying to do it. Uh, with their with their their store, Google is trying to do it with their apps, and so Apple is by no means like setting a new benchmark of ingeniousness here. But they're definitely sounds like they're going to be doing it, and I know that they've been working on this for a couple of years. This isn't something like they just said, "Hey, we're going to do." But uh, yeah, so I'll be curious to see how that narrative plays out, and to see. I fully believe that Mac OS is eventually going to go away, and I think this is the next big step towards making that happen. And so I'll be curious to see how Apple actually kind of approaches this topic. I think, again, it's going to be a multi-year transition. They're not going to be trying to go super crazy hard like Microsoft did. But, uh, yeah, so that is going to be a, a 2018 thing. And uh, cool. So um, I know that not everybody listens to this on YouTube. A lot of people, actually, the, the majority of people listen to this podcast on through RSS. I've also been posting a lot more videos up. Um, like earlier this week, I did a review of the 1080 Ti. When I was in Hawaii, I did a bunch of stuff about the, the ARM stuff. And so definitely go check those out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if that's your thing. If not, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Uh, other things that happened this week, Chrome in the Windows Store. This was odd. Apparently, Google and Microsoft can't make this work out. 
but uh, basically, they if you go to the, the Windows Store right now and you search Chrome, there's nothing. And then so Google put a cheap little app in there that you downloaded it, then it opened a link to a window to the web browser, and then you could download Chrome. Microsoft got pissed, Google got pissed, and so they're back to basically square one. And uh, the question becomes, would Microsoft let Chrome into the Windows Store? I don't know. I don't know if they would. Micro, what's the incentive for Microsoft? Maybe it'll help adoption with Windows 10 S. Maybe, maybe that's kind of the the only advantage I can think of. Uh, Chrome is not in the Windows Store because for anything to be in the Windows Store, you have to use the Edge, eb, the Edge, the I called it Eb. The Edge web browser is the only browser that's allowed. Kind of the Apple iOS thing. You can you know put anything you want in the App Store as long as it's running WebKit, which is Safari essentially. And so. Uh, there you go. I don't. I don't know if I haven't heard anything about them because basically Microsoft would have to make an exception, but it's kind of not because there's apps in the Windows Store, and I know it's not a perfect one-to-one scenario that run an app called or based on Electron, which is sort of like a web. Uh, it's sort of like Chrome, and so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Microsoft would have to make a pretty big exception, and it's really going to come down to what does Microsoft value more: the success of Windows 10 S or the success of Edge in the Windows Store, or the, the success of Edge, not even the Windows Store. So uh, what would be really helpful, Microsoft, if you're listening, which I know some of you are, is just to put Edge in the Windows Store. I know it's getting two updates per year. That's great, but it would still be awesome if it was actually just serviced through the Windows Store behind the scenes and all that goodness. So there you go. Uh, okay, other things that happened this week. So Andromeda device, um, this sort of, I don't even want to call it mythical because I know it's real. Uh, this device that Microsoft is building that is a Surface Mobile, a Surface Pocket, a Surface Foldable, uh, whatever you want to call it. The the patents have been out, and the patents reveal very clearly a device. And so I got an individual named David Breyer, Breyer uh, put together some renders, and you know I popped them in here. And so this thing looks... I, I have... If I'm completely candid, I have very mixed feelings about this device. You can see it kind of here in like a TP or A-frame design. Here you see it folded flat. And what he did was he took the renders or the patent and created these renders. So there you go. You can kind of see, and this is my favorite one because I love this burgundy color. And so what you see here is um, like USB type C. And then it's clearly got two screens, fold, pen support. And this is what it could potentially look like. Now this thing looks very nice. I, I, I'm not going to argue that. I mean, this, these renders that he did look absolutely wonderful. I'll just leave it on that one for a second. And so what you can see here is sort of like a foldable, pocketable, sort of mobile computing device. And so I, I think it looks great. First off, I'm fully convinced at this point that this thing is running ARM. Because why would Microsoft build something like this and slap an Intel chip in it when they already have Intel-based products? There's no uh, real reason for them to put an Intel chip in there unless Intel is coming out with a new chip, which I don't think they are. Uh, I don't think they are. I think uh, anything, it would make a lot of sense if that thing was running like a Snapdragon 845. So it's clearly got to be ARM-based, probably cellular connectivity, LTE, all that good stuff. Uh, long battery life, hopefully. But here, here's my problem with with this device. And somebody's going to be like, oh, you're just hating. But like, I don't, I don't quite know what I would use it for. And I'm trying to be like really optimistic here. Like, I think this thing looks good gorgeous like I, I like look at this I mean that looks really neat and it I think it's going to come down to the size and the footprint of it but to me this is okay so it's not as uh, one-handed friendly as say a smartphone but it's not as useful as a 
as a laptop. Granted, this is basically a tablet. Uh, and tablets, as we all know right now, aren't doing um, gangbusters in the sales department. So it's I'm trying to figure out what is the killer use case here for this thing. And so uh, for note taking, I think it would be exceptional. And that actually gets me pretty excited because I take a lot of notes when I'm um, out in the field. But it's not going to be cheap. I already know that I, I, I'm hearing price points of like a thousand bucks potentially. And granted, don't don't take that for what it is. Um, these are very kind of you know, basically you're trying to break down the parts and the expense and all that stuff. Uh, it's going to be a niche device. It, it looks neat. I, I'm not going to argue that. Like it looks, I'm very highly intrigued about this thing, but I don't, I don't know what the killer use case is for it yet. That's going to say, uh, you know what? I'm going to buy this instead of an iPhone. Granted, if it has LTE and cellular connectivity, you can make phone calls and do all that stuff. But again, why would you buy this over an iPhone? It's not for the apps yet, but I would suspect, I mean, if it's running ARM, it should be able to run classic applications. Uh, and so, yeah, you can make cellular calls off of it. I don't, I think Microsoft would just put like an unlock chip in there and say, so, you know, it kind of put your own eSIM in there. Uh, I just, I just wonder what the killer scenario is. that's actually going to help move this thing. And maybe there isn't one. Maybe this is Microsoft just saying, Hey, we need to support the arm platform. We want to come up with something unique to show what it's capable of doing. And there you go, because the typing experience on something like this isn't going to be great. We all know what it's like to type on glass. And so, yeah, um, I, I, I'm very intrigued by this thing. I'm very intrigued to see how Microsoft is going to approach this. And what they're going to do, it may not even ever ship. I mean, Microsoft's been known to cancel things at the very last minute. So that's still uh, very much a possibility. But I'd love to know what anybody else thinks is the kind of the killer reasoning. Now, it could be something to do with AR and VR. I know that Alex Kitman is working on this in some capacity. And so that would be actually helpful for Microsoft. Um, this could be the beginning of their kind of uh, their mobile play into that field. And maybe that's it. Maybe it gives you a better AR VR experience. That would be kind of neat. And so this is still this is still an ongoing thing. We're still learning about it, but it's they're getting a lot of patents around this stuff. So there's clearly something happening inside the world of Microsoft. And I'm very intrigued to see how this is going to shape out. And uh, excellent renders, by the way. If it does look like that, that'll be kind of a little little showstopper right there. So. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, we got a couple questions this week. Just going to dive in here uh, before we shut it down for the holidays is that Simon says, are you using any two factor authentication systems other than Microsoft Authenticator for Microsoft sites? No, I'm not. Um, I actually really like I, Microsoft. I think uh, let me rephrase that Microsoft Authenticator, I think, is one of the best authenticator apps there is. It works exceptionally well. You log into OneDrive. Uh, I get a prompt on my phone, actually, even on my watch. And so all you do is it says, hey, it gives you a unique code. It'll just be random three digits and th or three uh, letters and three numbers kind of intertwined and says, is this login uh, accurate or whatever? And then it sh and then on OneDrive, it'll show that same code and you just hit approve and then it logs in. Like you don't have to retype your password. Like it's really, really good. If you haven't used Microsoft Authenticator with one, uh, they're kind of MSA accounts highly recommend it because it is a very simple and seamless process. So no, I don't use any other systems because Microsoft one works exceptionally well. Uh, Simard 57 says, is there a way to delete username and passwords that Edge remembers? Yes. Is there a way to delete username and passwords that Chrome remembers? Yes. Yeah, you, you can. Um, 
I'm not going to pull it up in Edge, but if you can Chrome, you can click uh, Settings. Da, da, da. If you type, let's see, Password, and you can go to Manage Passwords, and you can just turn it off, and then you can actually go in there and click Details and hit Remove. Uh, very simple. So yes, you actually can permanently delete those things. Spartan fan says back in September, there was news that Microsoft increased the Windows Store device limit from 10 to 2000. When I go to manage device limits, I'm still at 10 of 10 and I have to remove devices before I can add another. Uh, was between phones, home theater, and desktops. I'm all out of my limits. Thanks. So that's odd. I know that I definitely have the higher account. I also have a ton of machines on my MSA account. Uh, one thing I have heard from people who have been stuck in this is one that kind of rolled out. And so maybe your account just hasn't been hit yet. But if you tweet at the Microsoft, I think it's Microsoft or Microsoft Helps, they can actually look into it and help you out there. I've heard other people having success by doing that. So definitely give that a try. And so Kadupa says, with the news of Apple combining iOS and macOS, I have a few questions to ask. What is the effect on Microsoft and Windows? I don't think there really is any effect on Microsoft and Windows. Apple is, runs in its own little world. And I don't think it's going to negatively impact Microsoft in any way, to be honest. I mean, not any more than Apple already has impacted them. Uh, will Apple be successful in doing this? I do. I think they will. Uh, I think they're going to make it very easy for iOS apps to run on Mac rather than Mac apps to run on iOS because their iOS store is significantly more populated and they want people into the iOS style side of things rather than the Mac side. And so I think they will be successful because remember they sell 40 to 50 million phones every single quarter. So yeah. And how long will it take? It's not gonna be an overnight thing. It already has taken a couple of years for them to slowly integrate that into Mac OS. Um, I, I would expect Right, they're going to show off, show it off working, and then it's going to take time for developers to kind of port their Mac apps over to iOS side and then go from there. The big ones I'm going to be looking for are going to be their video editing software. Yeah, um, it's not a Premiere. What is it? Final Cut. I'm going to see how they deal with Final Cut because that's kind of like the you know high-end stuff for Apple. And so that's got to be the, the kind of like the hallmark or the benchmark, I should say, of making this process happen. So there you go. Apple has massive developer support. And, and they are much more nimble these days than they are uh, on the Microsoft side of things. And so, yeah, I, I do absolutely do think they're going to be successful because they've got the App Store. Microsoft never had an App Store. Yes, they had you know, physically had one, but they never had the population density that Apple has. And so uh, I think this is going to be a good way for Apple to kind of mature and modernize their app processes and going to help them bridge that gap. Because we all believe that that. I, I honestly think long-term Mac OS goes away and iOS becomes their desktop operating system. It's, it's already been a very slow um, stepping stone to get there, but they're getting there. They are making that move. And this is going to be the next kind of big step in that process of finally phasing up Mac OS. And they're going to have one OS uh, across the two devices and just marry them up. And so I do think they will be successful. I think it's just going to take them time. And so... Uh, tip of the week, tip of the week, folks. It has been there's been a lot of hate on Twitter over the Windows Insider program lately, where people were just really upset that their fast ring builds are unstable and not working correctly. Here's the thing, folks. I don't run like I am. This is what I do every day for a living, and I don't even run the Insider fast ring build on my production machine that we're using right now. I don't because it's unstable. And so, if, if you are in the Insider program, you have to inherently understand that. You're 
these builds might wreck your machine. Like, they try their best not to, but you are the guinea pig. If you don't like things not working, get the hell out. Um, and don't take it out on, like, Donna and Brandon and those guys because uh, <laughs> because your machine is bad and you're on the insider fast ring. If you want to be on the insider and still get some of the stuff slow ring, but even the slow ring is just kind of, like, irrelevant. You're either in or you're not. And... Um, if you only have one machine, I would not put it on the fast ring. Yes, some of the cool features like fluent design and stuff are coming, but if they only work 25% of the time, is it really worth your sanity to be doing that? The latest, we're getting builds every six months. Like, think about that. Every six months, you're getting a new build. And and that's a stable, production-ready build. And, you know, stable being in quotations, but something that they're going to long-term support. And so... You're, it's not like you're ever that far behind. And for your own sanity, it's much better to be stable than to be on bleeding edge and have uh, fluent effects in your settings app. But you can't play the games you want because your machine crashes every three hours. So um, I would take a long, hard look about staying on the insider program. It's perfectly fine. Like this machine back here is on the insider build. Um, and I have a couple laptops on it and I, I play with this stuff, but I can tell you, even on this machine back here, it's not stable. Like it's not, and that's not, I don't blame Microsoft for that. That's the design of the system. Like they, they compile a build. They say, ah, this one's pretty good. They kick it out to a couple billion people. There's going to be shit it's going to happen. And so don't be upset if your machine is wrecked by this stuff, because that's, that's the nature of the insider system. And so I kind of hope Microsoft I don't know. I don't want them to slow down builds, but at some back of my mind, I almost think they should because people clearly don't understand how the system works and they don't understand that if they have one machine as their daily driver, don't be on the insider stuff. So, uh, yeah. Now the other problem is when they wreck somebody with windows update on normal builds, that's a whole nother can of worms. But anyways, that's the tip of the week guys. Uh, it is the holidays. Um, I'm thinking I might do a podcast next week. Hopefully the, what I use here, and uh, because it has changed a little bit uh, over 2017. And there's a lot of good stuff coming in 2018. And so with that, guys, I hope everybody has a happy and more importantly, safe holidays. You know, don't do anything stupid. And uh, we'll see what happens in the world of Microsoft. But I'm expecting it a pretty quiet week next week. Let's think about that and be honest because it's the week between Christmas and New Year's. Half the world... Um, is probably on vacation and taking time off. And so I'm not expecting any big news. We'll see if anything leaks out. But with that, folks, have yourselves a wonderful holiday. We'll catch you right back here next time on The Sam's Report.